Next voice message. Hello, this is an avid listener from uh, Australia, and I was driving and wanted to listen to Landline, and there weren't any more podcasts. I'm all caught up. I'm waiting. Welcome to Landline Podcast, a return to conversations that used to be important. On today's show, it's a Landline Potpourri, featuring Tim, the bartering winemaker, a member of Alex's family, a member of Alex's family, and we hear from listeners on the Landline Answering Machine. Here's your host, Alex McKay. Hey, Landline Podcast. Happy April 12th. It is my 36th birthday, and my gift to myself is Landline Podcast. Sorry for the delay. It's hard work being this good. Australia, you are the best. Neck and neck with the United States for most listens to the last pod. Why you're interested in an American millennial talking about how he can't afford a house Anywhere in the country while living a culturally fulfilling life is news to all of us, but keep it up. And if you found this podcast in error because you were looking for the show about agricultural and rural development in the outback of Australia, don't change the channel. Listen, become a convert, and invite me to present at your next podcast event. You have 20 new messages. Today's show, some landline faves. Craigslist selling a car, thank you notes, and golf on TV, entertaining stuff. The uh, segment with my mom about thank you notes really gets going about halfway through, but I think the background is important to keep, so it's going to be there. Um, But let's start off with uh, selling a used Toyota truck previously inhabited by rodents in Northern California. Landline podcast, 503-894-8480. Got to call the pod. Got to get involved. Thanks to my Aunt Polly, whose birthday it is today as well. Happy birthday for starting the show. Okay, here we go. Landline. And we're rolling. Next voice message. Al, it's Tim. Uh, there's a lot of background noise. That's because I'm walking down, down Softball. I just went to the Home Depot, bought a for sale sign, and went to the car wash and gave my truck a rinse and parked it on Soskull where everyone parks their cars on the weekends if they want to sell. Figured you'd appreciate the analog nature of this hopeful transaction of mine. Um, hope your Saturday's going well. Uh, I'm off to the store to do some shopping. Talk to you soon. End of message. Testing, testing, landline. It's a go. We're go for launch, landline. Hey. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good. Uh, do you have like four minutes for the podcast? I'll give you four. I mean, I just got to the gym, but. All right. Well, we're sorry. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't answer those calls. I don't know. I think my ringer would have been off or something, but um, 
great messages. That's why I'm calling back. Um, uh, what messages? Well, one was about selling your Toyota truck, and the other was about how you just had a baby. So let's focus on the important stuff. What happened the after? You, yeah, once you dropped the truck off on Soskal Road. Absolutely nothing. I put a you know four dollar for sale sign in it, and uh, no one called. I had about seventy five people email me, um, just lowballing me on my truck. And then this guy, Danny, from Modesto, actually Oakdale, drove out on Tuesday, looked at the truck. It was a rainy day, and Oakdale's like two hours away. It's in the Central Valley. And he tells me he just started uh, as an ER nurse in Modesto, and he needed a commuter. And he took this car, truck for a drive, and he's like, man, this is a great truck. I'm not going to even haggle with you. I'll pay you the 7500 bucks you're asking. And so he came back yesterday and gave me $4,000 in 20s, $1,000 in 50s, and $2,500 in $100 bills. And did you count it right there? I always wonder, like, what do you do? You obviously have to count it, but, like, the drug dealers, they would, like, do lines of blow while they were waiting for the guy to count. But exactly. what do you do? Uh, well, we, were at, we, were, we did the deal at Sainsbury, so... Um, he he apologized for the twenties. He said that he cleared out his his credit union of cash on a Saturday when he went to pick up the money. Um, they weren't prepared for that sort of withdrawal. Cashless um, society. So it was a lot of twenties. Counting counting four grand in twenties is well, it's not that many. But would you have taken uh, Would you have taken Venmo or PayPal? Well, that's what we joked about, right? It was just like. I was like, what are we going to do with all this cash? And he's like, I don't know. I have, I've never had this much cash in my life. I'm like, who uses cash? Um, but it was better that way. And you did count and it. I can't, well, yeah, we counted it. He like made piles, then I counted the piles. And by the end of it, I just stopped counting because I didn't care. <laughs> um, he, just, he seemed like a good guy. And people, I, was getting phone, I was getting text messages from people being like, would you take 4000 for the truck? And I was like, no. Like it's a good truck, and it's a, you know it's a truck that I have taken care of. And if you want to come here and look at the truck and kick the tires with me and make me an offer, I mean any of those people could have gotten it for a thousand dollars less. But uh, Danny didn't even try. So, so did you tell him about the mouse living in it, and does he get to take the mouse home, or was that just something you kind of glazed well, over? When you say mouse, let's be completely honest, mice colonies of mice there's been at least 14 generations of mice living in that truck um i had the interior steam cleaned, um and then i went and i did some i just did some active excavating and i hadn't seen a poop in the truck for at least three weeks um and then you had a so, kid yeah then you had a new baby and now i'm sure it's got shit all over it the truck yeah i'm that was well, like no, a mean, I, bad I that was a bad joke so there wasn't any poops in there i mean it's like it you know i think it's all fine all right well it toy- turns out it's not my problem anymore it's danny's danny's right. from oakdale well i think the lessons are toyota trucks really do hold their value um they sure do and also craigslist right i mean i assume this was all a craigslist deal all all craigslist and i i've never had so much pleasure as to delete my post Ugh. A bunch of like so many people like 
they contact you and they don't even ask about the truck. They're like, "Will you take six thousand? There should be, like, there should be a cr- come, yeah. There should be a, there. there should be a Craigslist like um, after sale board where you can brag. That's actually a great idea where you can, you know, people always are so cagey on Craigslist and they all want to like beat each other in the game that is buying and selling things in a free market. And how good would it be if you could like basically just talk shit on Craigslist that we should call Craig. Well, well, it's, it is funny. There's one guy who offered me 6,000 and I just like right off the bat. And I was like, listen, man, I've already had some other offers higher than that. And he just emails me back being like, well, obviously none of them were serious if you still have the truck. And I was just like, fuck you, man. Um, just dicks. Well, I'll let you go, but it is it does um, sort of come back to this theme of Landline, which is Craigslist is one of the top five most useful websites on the Internet. It's one of the reasons the Internet was invented, and gay men invented it to have gay sex, and... Many people out there are petrified of Craigslist. Like there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who think Craigslist is great and those who have never been on it. So, Yeah. Well, I didn't even tell you about Don, Don Blainfield. I got to read his card to you. It's, he's, it's the center of radiation and space exploration. He's, he's an astrophysicist. He's the guy who bought my rooftop tent from me. And he showed up with his very plump wife melissa yesterday and we were attaching the rooftop tent to his uh forerunner and then he drove off after handing me thirty two hundred dollars and one hundred dollar bills all right so give your address out for all the thieves listening and um remind them that you don't own a firearm or anything above a kitchen knife yeah so my address <laughs> and it's still sunday so at the bank i haven't gotten to the bank um, all right, well, have fun at the uh, gym, and I'd ask you about your new baby if I thought that um, you cared to talk about it before working out. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that at some point. All right, thanks for being on right. Landline. Sure, bye. Bye. Landline. Landline Podcast is brought to you by the bakery section of the grocery store. Looking for a good piece of whole grain bread with organic grains that don't make your gut feel like it's going to fall out and your colon feel like it's on fire? Check out the bakery section of your local high-quality supermarket. They've got a bread slicer, and they'll slice, slice you a slowly naturally leavened loaf of bread right there in front of you also buy sticks and balls people are buying ipads and plastic tricycles for their kids try a stick and a ball folks there is nothing a two-year-old likes better than whacking a plastic ball they found in the park with a stick so it's two hours of free entertainment i recommend it and finally buy the wonderful colors of spring flowers and blossoms on the trees. Don't mean to be corny, but you cannot get a more vibrant pastel than the azaleas, magnolias, and daffodils, tulips that we're seeing in the Pacific Northwest right now. They might be coming to a neighborhood near you. Better than your Instagram feed. Spring flowers. Go for a walk. Check them out. All right, back to the show. Landline. Next voice message. Hey, it's the Uber driver. I'm out front with your pizza. 
This next section starts out a little bit esoteric, and you might wonder why am I listening to someone talk to their mom about thank you notes on my iPhone while I'm walking around the world in 2019, but I, I think that um, it's important. Stick with it, and I do get my animated self by the end, so uh, just let the bass build, have a little landline attitude, and things will slowly ferment to a frothy top. All right, landline. Oh, you both answered at the same time. Yes. You're on the podcast. Oh, who would you like to speak with? Well, I actually have a segment for both of you, but I'd like to start with you, Mom and Dad. Could you dig up that picture of you at the country club in Brookline where you're yeah. standing behind the golfer? Is it, it was, a, was it Nicholas? It wasn't Nicholas. Um, Marty. So can you just dig that up, and in about 15 minutes, you can do a quick segment before the women's basketball game starts? Okay. All right. I'll hang up. Yep. M- Mom, do you have 10 minutes for me? I do. All right. I just want to start by saying that I respect you, and I, I am going to offer some alternate points of view in this segment. So this isn't an argument, but I just think we need to hash some things out. Okay. So... You sent me a text yesterday about sending my godfather a thank you note for an unsolicited gift that I received for my grandson that was... Your your son, my my, grandson. My son, sorry. Right. So let's just go backwards and extend this a little bit. Godparents, people don't have godparents anymore, I realized. Um, Or less, there must be less godparents being identified every year in America now than there were in 1984 or whenever I had a godfather. Can you just give us a brief sort of, you know, previous generation's view on what a godparent is and what the role is there? Um, Officially, when you're baptized um, in the church, there are, it's, the parents, and then godparents. So the parents choose people that they're close to to be godparents to their children, and those people are supposed to be responsible with parents for your religious upbringing. And was that like a no-brainer when you were having my sister and I, or was it something you, you know, you've kind of probably gone through many iterations of your relationship with the church. And I know more recently it's been pretty robust, but was that something you wanted to do or you did to like sort of perform for the society around you? Do you think? No, I wanted to, I wanted to have godparents for you and Phoebe, um, not only because you were both baptized in the church, but because it's just as another set of adults for you to have the potential to be close to. And, you know, what a cool thing. You can now look back, because I'm 35, and say, like, how did you choose? I mean, 
I not that I want you to share any secrets out of school, but not in terms of how you made the choice, but rather how how did your choice turn out? I think for people who are now having kids, if they are engaging with the idea of having godparents, it's sort of a toss up and who shouldn't we name? So are were you happy with your decisions? Did it matter? Like what sort of can you reflect on now based on that relationship over the last 35 years? Well, I can say that Katie is Phoebe's godmother, along with Betsy, and it seems that that's been a very successful relationship as far as Phoebe's concerned, certainly not having anything to do with the church, but having to do with other, you know, quote-unquote adults that she's close to. And I think um, in terms of Johnny and you, um, that he certainly takes his responsibility of Godfather very seriously, once again, not in terms of the church, but in terms of feeling a great fondness for you and closeness. And he was, um, remember when he got married to Sheila, all of his godsons were his ushers. Because he got married late in life, so we were old enough to, or later in life, I should say. So we were old enough to participate, which was really nice. And he is kind of like the world's best godfather in a way. um, In terms of what... I am a godmother to some children, and I'm terrible. I don't even know where they live now. Do you know who they are? Do you know who they are? I know who they are, but I don't know where they are. Okay. I've had no relationship with them. I just happened to be close to their mothers at the time. Well, I concur that the relationship with Johnny as my godfather was a successful one. He did a really nice job engaging with me. He's always called me his godson when he hasn't seen me for a while and made me feel as if the relationship was something special that I needed to pay attention to even as a kid. He sent me presents, but I think they were always pretty fulfilling presents from sort of an educational and cultural standpoint. Usually it was a book. Um, He used to send me those cool toy soldiers that were made out of real metal and were heavy and you know, alluded to, you know, the colonial area, which at that time I thought was a benevolent time time period. But anyways, <laughs> the the point is this. So we, we've got all that. My godfather then sent me, sent my son a present recently. And you texted me yesterday that you didn't want to pester me, but that I needed to send him a thank you note. And one of the things, one of the downsides of having a godparent or any person outside of your sort of normal immediate family that gives you gifts is that you have the burden of the thank you note on you. Um, You can kind of probably screw around with not sending you sending thank you notes to your aunts and uncles or various neighbors or whatever. But the godparent relationship is one that you kind of have to hold in some high regard. And if you don't, then the, the pomp and circumstance and, cultural significance of the institution is is you know going to be lost um and i didn't have a godmother who who held up their end of the bargain in this department not that that meant anything bad it just meant johnny very much took the burden onto himself and made it an in, engaged godson godparent relationship so back to this this text you sent me so I guess here's my first question. When your mother was 70 and you were 35 years old, was she calling you and telling you to send thank you notes? No, because I was. But how did she know that you were? How do you know that I haven't sent a thank you note yet? 
Because when we were in um, uh, wherever we were, Palm Springs, you said you hadn't. And how many weeks ago was that? Ten days ago. So how do you know I haven't sent a thank you note since then? I don't know that. And I was remiss in sending the – I think I did say in my email, in case you already haven't, or um, – you know, something along those lines. I don't. I was just, I, it's been on my mind, and I, and maybe it's because Dad just got something from Johnny totally unrelated that reminded me of it. Well, so, I mean, there's a lot here, and I know we're not going to talk endlessly about it, but A, thank you notes. Do people still send them? I guess that would be a question. I think in a world of Fortnite and Facebook and you know, watching TV, I I bet there aren't a lot of thank you notes. Maybe there are thank you texts. There are certainly probably thank you emails. But, I mean, the other two big meteor worlds that, you know, you're sort of a sacrificial lamb here for because I think that your motivation is pure and I ultimately, I haven't sent him a thank you note and I'm going to, but I'm still mad, is that, first of all, I didn't ask for the gift, and the gift was an, an Easter outfit for my son, and we don't even go to church, although podcast listeners will be surprised by that because I claimed I did three months ago. So, like, is that the point of sending a gift, to receive a thank you note, or is it the point of sending a gift to share love and affection and appreciation for somebody? Okay, so I, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of depth the treatise that you've dumped. So let me start with the beginning. The first thing is, I don't think that I indicated that it needed to be a note. I think I said it could be an email, which is a, you know, quite an easy thing to do. The second thing is, I totally agree with you that gifts shouldn't be given for, uh, so you'll be thanked. And I, myself, am not judgmental about whether I receive a thank you note or not, or thank you note, email, whatever. I try and send, I don't send very many uh, thank you notes anymore. I try to send thank you emails for special dinners or this or that or whatever, some kind of thank you. I did say, I think in my email or text to you that you have to know your audience. And I know that to Johnny and Sheila, a thank you is very important. But I know that. But I know that too. And I guess to like fast forward to how adult parents and children are supposed to you know, interact with each other, which I think is actually a high ratings event on a podcast that isn't discussed as much as it needs to be. Like at some point, I'm now going to turn 36 on Friday you have to either hope that I send you th- send thank you notes or I don't, but that I sort of run that thank you note factory at my kitchen table without you knocking on the door to ask me if it's running or not. Okay, and I would totally also agree with that. However, there are instances in which I will hear I have to be involved in it because there's so many um, – we have so many boundaryless relationships in our lives. We're very lucky to have that, but it's also a pain in the ass. So I guess what I would have to do is if I, I think maybe I was trying to pre- prevent myself having to say, if someone said to me, oh, 
did Anna and Alex get that outfit for Homer? And I because we haven't heard anything, and I say, yes, they're just rude. Well, I mean, but what about the idea of, like, what if, and this isn't necessarily the case here, but, like, what about if you receive a gift that you didn't want? Are you supposed to send a thank you note then? And is yeah. your, your thank you note supposed to say, thank you so much for the thought. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to select something and box it up and send it across the country and, you know, give J Jeff Bezos a little bit more money, although it wasn't an Amazon gift, so that's unfair. But, you know, in the future, can you, like, not send me stuff? I understand I mean, it's, everything. And, and again, like, everybody involved here is just a sacrificial lamb. I'm not saying I didn't like the gift. I'm not saying I, I – and I want to send this person a thank you note, but you've also taken that – You've, you've disempowered me from the satisfaction of the thank you note because you have now basically like pulled a lever to make me do it. So I no longer have the independence of thinking I did the right thing. Now I'm just reacting to you. I mean, instead of being a good godson, I'm now just being someone who listens to his mother's pestering. Right. And so I, and I think what I'm trying to do is to prevent myself. This is since now you're talking about it's all about you. Now it's going to be all about me, and I'm just protecting myself from having to have somebody make a comment about how they didn't get a thank you note. But that's not my problem. Right. Well, it's not my problem how, then in the same way. Yeah. If I mean, if I'm an asshole and I, I'm not a good godson, then they won't send me gifts. And if, if a thank you note is what begets another gift, then I don't think the gift was, you know, well given in the first place. And I'm not saying these people are ones who would do that. I'm just saying in general, it's kind of like wedding presents. Are you required to give somebody a wedding present if they invite you to your wedding? You're not required to do anything, but it's traditional to set to give a wedding present if you go to the wedding. And if you don't? I think people usually do, but it probably wouldn't be, you know, but as high on the list as if you do go. It's so much sort of passive-aggressive expectation and tension around checking boxes, and I feel like we've stepped away from kind of giving gifts to feel the satisfaction yourself versus the giving a gift or, or sending an invitation because – you know, you expect that everyone kind of announces their appreciation for your appreciation. I think this particular gift, since I was there, was given, even as I said, with me saying, oh, no, you don't have to give anything, you know, trying to discourage it. It was given with such excitement and everything that it's almost hurting their feelings not to say thank you. That's all. I'm not saying how you say thank you. Just say the package just, you know, you could have said the package just arrived. It, thank you so much. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm not mad, but I do think if we zoom out and realize that you're still hoping my manners are good at this time in our at at our age and in this time in our relationship, I mean, it just maybe it just is what it is. You never stop being the mother or parent to your children, and you always hope that their behavior is, you know, such that it reflects well on your parenting, right? Well, that part, and also that it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. So that's the whole point, really, of manners.
Yeah, well, that's, uh, and that's what that I wanted to talk not about. Of Emily Post and yeah, right. Any table manners, really? Yeah, well, that, right. So not. that's why I called you to ask you about this. You grew up in Connecticut in the world of Emily Post, and I think that I do feel as if you're probably um, the missing link to the proper world of thank you notes, but I still think that there's some nuance in there and how you are educating the world on it, specifically your son. I will, I will not. I will send them a thank you note, but again? I will send them a thank you note, but it might be, it's going to be late basically because I have a pregnant wife and a two-year-old and a job and I don't spend all my time writing thank you notes. Okay. I'm not, just to put this into perspective, I'm not saying then send a thank you note. You can send it a uh, email but it's not good enough it's like then i lose the landline aspect of the life that i okay well that's your problem well it is my problem but like i mean but think about the anxiety i have about how i want to get a nice nice card and an envelope and the right stamp and a good pen and sit down for 15 minutes and engage with the time travel that is all the thank you notes i've written to johnny for the last 35 years of my life i mean nobody's written johnny more thank you notes from as a godson that I have and like to think that I would just jump off a ledge and not send him one. I knew exactly when I opened it, I had to send a thank you note and, and that I don't want to send an email. I don't want to send a Gmail to his email address. I mean, this for, for our listeners, this gentleman doesn't, he sends email from his wife's name because he can't figure out how to send an email. (laughs) He's Johnny Lathrop sends emails from Sheila Lathrop in low, in low. So I, I, John Sheila Lathrop. It's both of theirs, but you're it right. It says Sheila Lathrop in my inbox. And I don't want to like I don't want to be gmailing without punctuation and no subject my godfather. I want and I don't want to send him an e-card. I want to send him a thank you note. And so you know, again, that so I imagine all that wrapped up into my head and the angst I'm having on a day-to-day basis every time I see the open envelope on the down, messy downstairs desk and realize I, you know, I'm just going to watch the great British baking show instead of writing it that, that you then add on to that with a, with a passive aggressive text message about sending it. Like you would, you could imagine how that would sort of be the straw that broke the camel's back or empathize with me at least. I, oh, I totally empathize with the anxiety of sending. After a while, it isn't sending thank you notes anymore. It's sending uh, condolence letters. Yeah, but think about like I, I how much, I, how I much. I understand totally. Empathize the anxiety that I'm about. I feel um, sending an actual finding a card and sending the actual card and all that. That's why in my life. With many things like thank yous, I've resorted to Gmail, to um, emails. Okay, well, I just think I, I think you're slightly missing the point. That's okay, and I want to move on to Dad. I mean, I appreciate your point of view. You're right about sending the thank you note. I believe, and I have like I am an, an acolyte or of your, if that's the right word, uh, uh, of your point of view on manners, specifically with thank you notes. But then you just have to like let me be the apostle that I am. You can't then like come down from you know the pulpit and sort of like needle me along. You just have to have faith that I'm going to do it. And I think you have to deal with your own anxiety about whether or not I did send it because you know I'm I 
think about the guilt I have that I don't have an organized enough desk with stamps and and letters and pens. Like I w- I'd like to be living in an, in the English countryside and only have time to write thank you notes. And instead, I'm all day on the computer cleaning up, cooking food. I'm not saying I have a bad life. I'm just saying think about how passionate I am about how we our life has turned into all these things that are kind of busybody electronic data crap and that the thank you note is something I literally wish I was doing all day and how much anxiety I have about the fact I can't write one of them. So, so you know, I don't know. I that that's I don't know what you say to me, but I think, you know, I think you just have to let it be that I I may or may not send thank you notes. Okay, so I, and that's fine. Then you can know that what if people bring it up to me, I will respond um as I see fit. Right. But isn't that okay, fair enough. I knew we wouldn't come eye to eye on this topic. Well, I think we are eye to eye. I I mean, I will not I will not nudge you anymore. I get that. And I apologize for that if that was upsetting to you. I'm really not thinking about I really honestly was not thinking about you and I really honestly was not thinking about me. I was thinking about Johnny and Sheila. All right. I mean, that in this case, I would not feel the same way if it were somebody else. I wouldn't really care. Do you wish Homer had grandparents or godparents? Do I wish he had godparents? Yeah, like just let's wrap it up quickly before I go to dad. Like given that we didn't get him baptized and he doesn't have godparents, does that bother you as a grandparent? I think that's a pretty applicable question to my audience that I think people are asking themselves if that matters or not. No. I mean, I think Homer, I think it's like, think about um, Judy's kids, Overton's kids. It's like we're their godparents or whatever. They don't have godparents because they, you know what I mean? Like in today's world, you have an opportunity to be close to many more adults besides your parents. And that maybe wasn't the case in, in olden times. Right. You just, because everything was so much more, because it was more formal and more mannered. All right. All right. All right. Well, I just don't. I, I mean, I could do another 40 minutes, but it's not good pod if I go on endlessly. So I'm just going to cut it off. Maybe we'll revisit this after I get a thank you note for my thank you note. Okay. <laughs> do you want to talk to dad now? Yes, please. Okay. Wig? Yes. Were you listening in on that? Yeah. Don't you, do you think mom should have sent me a text pestering me to send me a thank you note to Johnny? It's like didn't I learned that I was supposed to write thank you notes. That's just it, right? Anyways. Landline. Next voice message. Sorry to leave a golf um, commentary, but I'm back here uh, at the range watching them golf people. I just try. Uh, Jennifer just opened up for the first day. Man, I just went out and uh, did a great job playing golf. Just to let you know the golf game's coming along. Thank you for um, entertaining my game on East Moreland the other week, but I'm sitting here watching uh, people hit golf balls at the range. It's the finest thing ever. I'm watching uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 people who have no idea how to hit golf ball. I just uh, put up my best numbers ever. I could only play through six holes because I couldn't um, stand doing a hole per half hour because of the people in front of me, but, man, I think that I have a chance to uh, catch up with you. 
I really see it. I'm watching everybody out here. It's amazing. I wish you were here just to sit in the, in the um, car and uh, drink uh, tea with me and watch these golf swings. They're hilarious. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, I played the same uh, ball through all six holes. No problem. I outdrove everybody in my group. Um, just a little bit over par after six holes. It was a nice, nice time. <laughs> this is hilarious. I, let's, next time, let's do a podcast from right here, where I'm at right now. I love you all. I hope you're safe. Um, be safe. And um, bless the homer. I love you guys. Goodbye. Let's play some golf. I'm going to beat you. I'm not worried about it. July is still the, the date, so I'll beat you by then. Goodbye. Love you all. Bye. Okay, so, Dad, it's it's. I'm doing taxes, thank you notes, and the masters for this podcast. And uh-huh. I, I just, you know, my birthday's coming up. The masters are always around that. I love that. I love watching that golf. We used to watch, I vividly remember watching it with you. It was kind of, I would say, the most, um, you know, what what is the word to describe the Masters? At least growing up, it was the most pure of all of the golf tournaments, right? At that time, um, but now, you, are you see, do you still like the Masters? Are you still into watching it, or has it kind of become redundant after forty years? Um, well, I um, in in some ways, yes. I don't think I would watch it too much on Thursday and Friday. I mean, the last. Um, nine holes, of course, or even Sunday. But, I mean, it's more that I'm more interested in people that I like winning or people that I don't like losing. Like, nobody wanted um, Reed to win last year. Right. Because he's not likable. So that's where I am on it. I want somebody, um, and um, uh, McElroy would, would be fine with me. Well, so in this world of TV sports becoming such a huge industry in the last, let's say, 15 years, and they really realize that they, you know, at the networks, they can make billions of dollars off sports. The Masters branding has become that it is the most pure and that it is the most sacred and the azaleas and the rhododendrons. And, you know, they sweep all of the historical racism under the run and say this is golf at its finest and tell all those stories and Butler Cabin. And it's exhausting. They've completely jumped the shark and it's. You know, at, at some level, they're full of shit. But yeah. I will, I will say in respect, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about with the picture that we're going to bring up. Out of respect for the Masters, they don't allow cell phones into the tournament. I don't know if did you know that? Oh, I probably knew it, but I mean, um, good, great. So how? I mean, it, it may, talk about a landline moment. How many places in the world are you completely restricted from using your cell phone? And there's a lot there for me. I mean, one of the things is you have to have such a great demand for your product that people are willing to change their behavior to that degree with technology, right? Yeah. You'd have to have the best restaurant on earth or it'd have to be the Sistine Chapel where there's a schmillion cell phones. So the Masters realizes they have all the power. They can tell everybody what they want. They're private, all this. It's not the U.S. Open. But – how that really connects to the picture is that when you watch golf on TV these days, and I know a lot of people don't care about that, I do think it's a reflection of one of my main topics on this podcast. All you see when you're watching a player hit from you know behind a tree, in the rough, if they shank one off one of the grandstands, is every single person who can line up along the rope holding their cell phone videoing yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. 
So the, the interesting question I wanted to ask you first is what the hell are they doing with all those videos? Yeah, you always see people um, at, at sports events, what are they going to do um, with the picture? That's why I stopped taking cameras to events like that because it was beside the point. And they have you have the fanciest high definition cameras. You can watch everything on demand. You can get replays of everything. You could buy a DVD or an on demand video of the 2019 Masters. What? How is the video they're taking on their handheld device ever going to match up to whatever the quality of 50 cameras that CBS has on there? I mean, that's that's one angle. I just don't. And, you know, do they then go home and load it up on their computer and just watch it over and over again? I have no idea. But yeah, yeah. Um, so one cool thing about the Masters, and I do think this is interesting for people just channel surfing next weekend, even if you're watching with your, you know, spouse who cares or it's just something to watch instead of football because it's not football season. Um, it is a pretty cool thing to see fans without cell phones it's a very unique opportunity to have that picture on tv that picture is seemingly basically extinct and so it's one of the only times where you can't see that um and i don't know if people realize that <laughs> and it the stories that come out from people who go like bill simmons who has a podcast talks about this and kirk minahan a radio show i like um he talks about this it's the one place where when you go with your dad or go with your buddies you have to set a meeting place you're like, okay, I'm going to go follow Spieth and McElroy, and your buddy's going to go watch whoever, you know, um, Ian Woosnam at 68 still playing or whoever it is. We're going to meet at the ninth tee at 1.30 and get a beer, yep. and and that doesn't exist anymore. So what a cool little world that they get to ha participate in, and people love it. Why it doesn't happen more often, I don't know. But anyways, let me talk – or excuse me, let, let me let you talk. You have a picture of yourself at a very big golf tournament from your youth where you're standing up against the rope line watching a very famous golfer hit a shot. There are obviously no cell phones, um, but tell us about the tournament, the player, the situation, why you were there, and, and you know I'll ask you some questions to clarify as well. Well, I did look it up um, online and um, to get a feel for exactly the background of this playoff um, and then on the back of this globe printout, which comes uh, probably 25 years after it happened for another one, um, it tells the story again. Uh, there was no rope uh, between behind Arnold Palmer and the crowd. What's interesting is there's the um, myself and two friends. Oh, and there's another kid. That's uh, Herrick, I think. Uh, oh, I guess we had quite a group there. A man with a um, Panama-style tiny hat with a um, uh, band around it and a five-year-old boy in a striped shirt with his mother, and she's got, a, uh, she's got white gloves. No, she doesn't have gloves on. She's got her sweater, and she's got her purse with her. And, yeah, and there I am with my goonie glasses and a short haircut right above Arnold Palmer's head. The main thing is the reason the picture um, has become that horrible, overly used word, iconic, is because Arnie decided to try to hit off a stump. And uh, instead of taking a penalty and hitting it off the ground. Um, and um, White year? Where, 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 this is in the early 60s? What are we talking about here? This is the 1963 U.S. Open at the Country Club in Brookline, which was the 50th anniversary 
of um, the famous U.S. Open there that was uh, won by Francis We Met over um, the Brits. And Francis We Met was a local kid, not a, um, a caddy-type person. And he became, of course, uh, probably one of the, the most famous early golfer of that coming out of nowhere background. Um, and you, you, this was a Sunday, or you said it's a playoff. Was it a U.S. Open used to do an all-day 18-hole playoff? Is that what this was? Yes, it was. And on a Monday? Reason we went because um, we were out of prep school, and uh, we'd heard in the paper that they were going to have um, a playoff, and e- either it was free entry or uh, whatever, and uh, you know, a 45-minute drive from Nashua. Um, Steve Gregg, and he'd have to tell you who the other people in the picture um, picture were. And um, Julius Boros won the tournament. He was at the time about the oldest person uh, ever to win uh, a major. And I noticed on the internet he received seventeen thousand five hundred dollars. Wow! So you you must have been obviously in an 18 hole playoff nothing else is going on it's just these two guys going head to head so you just followed the whole match and there were probably what a couple thousand people just going hole to hole yeah. do you remember yeah, it was a threesome there was the other player was Jackie Cupid <laughs> and um i really remember very little about it other than what i see in the photo and so I can't, I guess you can't answer this question, which is, did you happen to be standing, you know, 200 yards down the left side of the fairway and the ball plopped into your lap on the stump or did you run ahead and how did you get such a good position? I mean, you were up close. I, I do not remember. Yeah. I really don't. Um, but when it was brought up years later, certainly um, I remember that because I think we talked about it, um, you know, ever since. Um, that was became quite famous. Arnie did win one U.S. Open. I think he only won it once, and that was in um, in Denver. So um, that was the one he really could. Well, it's, I think it's the hardest one to win. So, do you think you saw the picture of yourself in the paper? the next morning how how long did it take you you know if you had been on facebook in 1963 you would have known that night um how long did it take to realize that you were in that paper and that must have been the best shot of the whole playoff too right oh oh yes it's in every book and uh every book obviously about arnie his own book it's uh yeah anything that uh, having to do with the u.s open history uh because you know it's got it just as a club head is uh, coming down on the ball and, you know, the classic pose with the people behind. So, it, um, yeah, it's a fabulous photo. All right. Um, well, I think that's any, – any other comments? Uh, no, I went to the – one more time we went to the um, country club when the Ryder Cup was there. Um, saw, you know, the top players, Arthur uh, and Peggy were there. And um, I think Ellie was there, and certainly Tiger Woods was playing at that time. Oh wow! I don't. But he was maybe an amateur. That was like '96. No, oh no, no. Oh, I don't remember the, that. You know, um, I think he was very young, but still, no, he was. He was a. Uh, you had to be a pro to be in the uh, Ryder Cup. 
All right. Well, I will do one plug with you on the line for the internet, um, which is if you do want to watch the Masters, which I do, I love watching it, um, and I love Tiger, contrary to public opinion. I think just because I grew up with him and I want to see the redemption happen with him winning there again. It is amazing going to Masters.com. You can choose the group you want to follow. And you can watch them all 18 holes starting at, you know, 9 a.m. in the morning as you're doing your emails at work. So it's pretty cool, although all of this stuff has been so overproduced and so over, you know, um, sponsored and all of that. You get to see areas of the course you would have never seen 10, 15 years ago when it would have just been the back nine or whatever. And so and you get to see guys get in trouble and hit, you know, sh- shots that they're not going to show. It's not all just 40-foot putts going in. You're seeing them ha- have <laughs> I to- just turned on um, the TV for you, Bob, and saw a guy hit a really terrible shot. He, um, I don't know who it was. No one you ever heard of, probably. But uh, a guy that tried to hit his driver off the fairway in a par 5, and he dirted it. <laughs> So, All right. Well, have fun. World out there. Have fun. Who are you rooting for in the women's national championship? Um, not Notre Dame. Gotcha. All right. Well, there you go. Okay. All right. Talk to you guys later. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Next voice message. Alex, it's Tim. Just calling. Say hello. Uh, Felix and I are walking up to the terrace. With popular. So Felix is complaining about having to walk up the hill. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Rachel had the baby, Marigold. She's a real slouch. Um, and I mean that in the greatest sense. Just loves eating and pooping and sleeping. Um, yeah, give me a call. Talk to you soon. End of message. Next voice message. Aldo, it's James. Um, we've been doing some phone tagging here, but uh, I just uh, I'm around all weekend. I uh, I just got done putting kids to bed. Gigi shit herself twice. Uh, it's been a pretty pretty hectic day, but uh. Let's connect at some point, but uh, I'm around. Uh, we'll connect soon. All right, man. Bye. All right, there you have it, Landline Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You know, one thing I am a little bit more dedicated to doing now that I have had the constant feedback that I can't have it both ways, I can't have a podcast and not be on the internet, is to encourage you to spread the word, review the podcast on Apple or wherever it goes, and, um, you know, leave a review, star it, love it, put the circle around it. I'm not going to get on uh, Instagram and take a photo of it, but I will encourage you to use whatever you want to use to promote it. Um, and our numbers are the best that they've ever been. Let's remember the whole goal of this podcast is to beat Rick Steves, who had a giant feature article in the New York Times Magazine last week. I will discuss that in the next episode of Landline with Max and John, Max the Marine, John the Constitutionalist Enigma, coming up. 
probably more likely in the next week or so versus the next month or so. Um, but plenty to do over here at the Landline HQ. Best thing you can do to support the show is 503-894-8480. Australia, the first person that calls from Australia and leaves a message with an Australian accent. Even, I mean, even an American leaving a message with a good Australian accent. I'll just send you $10. I'll just send you 10 loonies or Schnecken or whatever you guys use over there through one of these online payment systems. Venmo, I'll just Venmo you 10 bucks. That's it. I'll just pay you to call from Australia. That's Other podcasts are sponsored. We sponsored people calling the landline, leaving a message. So Australia, grow a pair, leave a landline. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Go Tiger. And uh, make sure you write those thank you notes. All right, Landline Podcast, over and out. Festival.